This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. I didn't do a show last week because I had a cold, and I was in the early stages of that cold. So very coffee, very sniffly, uh, and my voice didn't quite sound right, croaky a bit. And I'm a bit improved. <laughs> I can't say I'm back to my fighting weight, but uh, so you might hear a throat clearing here and there. And a sniffle. I'll try to keep them down. Uh, I've got I've got a beverage set here if I need to uh, wet the throat because uh, things kind of dry out down here. And I've got a throat lozenge for when I take the uh, breaks so that I can help uh, keep my throat from getting too too bad. <coughs> throat clearing right there. <laughs> Sorry about that, but that's you know it's I'm in the remnants of it. Uh, anyway, um, let's see. You know, it's still winter. <laughs> God, it's still winter. Uh, you know, and today, I record these shows on Saturday mornings at Nostalgia Zone, comic books and collectibles, might as well do the ad, which is a comic book store here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, you can go to our website at NostalgiaZone.com. If you collect comic books and you're into stuff that's from the Silver Age right up into Modern Age, although we do have some Golden Ages kind of stuff, sprinkled throughout if you're like superhero comic books or western comic books war comic books romance comic books mysteries and suspense and all that kind of stuff if you like those kinds of comic books classics illustrated dell's harvey's marvel dc charlton we got them so uh we, we do we deal only in back issues uh we have some magazines that you can look through too you become a member of our membership and you'll save 10% and you'll also be eligible for other further discounts on some of our books that have been sitting on the shelves for a long time and uh, and you'll get uh, to earn points toward future purchases so check us out nostalgiazone.com uh, and uh, become a member if you are so inclined it's free save 10% right away and build points for the future duty now for the future <clears throat> So it's still winter, goddammit. I mean, really, goddammit. It's just... Uh, it's, it's well, okay. Um, there's, this, there's this system that weather people uh, use. Uh, this particular system, this is from the uh, Minnesota Natural... Uh, I'm sorry, Minnesota Department of Natural Resources... This is from their website. They, they call it the Twin Cities Snow and Cold Index. Now, this is also known as the uh, Winter Misery Index. I mean, that's kind of informally known as that. There is the Misery Index, which has to do more with economics. What kind of unemployment there is, how's the, uh, how's the inflation rate, wages and all that kind of stuff you could just combine all that together and you come up with some kind of economic misery index and i think lately we've been although it's been improving uh we've had a not so great uh misery index uh, because of inflation being crazy like it is and the supply chain stuff being like it was and all that you know of course we blame we blame trump for all that because he's an asshole <clears throat> anyway more on him later the uh, so the Twin Cities Snow and Cold Index. I'm going to read this. 
This is from the uh, DNR, the Minnesota DNR site. Uh, they're asking us, they start out uh, asking, were the winters when you were young worse than they are now? Uh, you may be able to prove it with the Twin Cities Snow and Cold Index. The Twin Cities Snow and Cold Index, SCI, is an attempt to weigh the relative severity of winter uh, when compared with winters of the past. The SCI assigns single points for daily counts of maximum temperatures 10 degrees Fahrenheit or colder and daily minimums of 0 degrees Fahrenheit or colder. If the minimum temperature drops to minus 20 degrees or colder, uh, 8 points are attributed to that day. Snowfall totals of more than uh, 1 inch or, uh, let's, wait a minute, so I'm sorry, let's start that sentence again. Snow, <laughs> snowfall totals of one inch or greater in a day receive one point. Four inch snowfalls generate four points for, uh, for the day. An eight inch snowfall receives a whopping 16 points. To qualify the duration of winter, uh, one point is tallied for every day with a snow depth of 12 inches or greater. So they, they did these measurements, and this is uh, as of uh, uh, March 1st. I think our misery index is higher than this now. So, so far for the, the 2022 to 2023 winter, which I think, you know, winter kind of, I mean, on the calendar, it doesn't start till January 21st or so. Uh, but Weather-wise, it can start in November, maybe even October. It's, it's just it can it can start then. I don't I'm not sure when they they designate it, but uh, I guess they have some kind of criteria, and it can go through to mm, mid-April. Although it can it can still snow in May. Uh, anyway, uh, so so far in this winter, uh, as a as of this writing this article here it's 117 points is the uh is the misery index i'm the winter misery index i'm gonna call it so it's 28 points for cold and 89 points for snow now it's got to be higher than that now because we had snow uh this this over uh let's see that's that piled up this last monday i had to shovel and then we had snow again that I had to shovel on Friday. And it's, as as I'm recording this show right now, it's snowing out there. Who knows how much we're going to get. So we've got to have a few more points than 117. Maybe we're at 120, 122. I don't know, somewhere in there, maybe. Now, then they give a comparison from past winters. Uh, the winter of uh, 21 and 22 had 84 points. See, you see? Right there. Right there. 84 points. Now, the way those points broke down, they had 43 points for cold and 41 points for snow. So not nearly as, you know, more than, we're tw more than twice as snowy this winter, but uh, we're a little more than half as cold as it was last winter. So, you know, I mean, you'd have to ask me in the moment, but I think I'd, I'd rather deal with the cold. I'd rather have the colder days than the snow days because snow is an, is a, is an incredible inconvenience. Slows you down in traffic, throws things off. You, know, you might not get mail. You, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And then you got to shovel it. And, and man, I'm running out of places to put snow. I gotta see if I can get a picture of this of the berm I have at the bottom of our of my driveway. It's gotta be it's gotta be well close to six feet tall at the highest. And that's with it having, you know, it warms up a little bit and it melts a little bit. So it might have it might have come down just a bit. But after I shovel, after this snowfall, <laughs> you know. <sighs> anyway. So that's uh, you, know, I, you know, so they had ha you know less than half the amount of snow that we've had so far. That was the winter last winter. Now the winter before that one, of 2020 to 21, that winter had 68 points on the winter misery index. 
27 points for cold and 41 points for snow. So it had the same amount of snow as last winter, but not nearly as much cold. So that winter wasn't too bad when you think about it. And that was considered to be a moderate uh, winter. Now they do give us some, here's some perspective of, 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 uh, of how bad it could get. Uh, in the winter of 2013 to, and 2014, the Twin Cities got 207 points. Now, right now, we're at 117, according to this article, which came out, um, you know, which the number was updated on March 1st, so it's different now. But 217 points. And it's, that's the high end of the severe winter category. Now, they don't break down snow and cold they don't break that down uh it was the ninth most severe winter on record based on the c uh the sci points the lowest uh winter misery scale uh was the winter of 2011 and 2012 with 16 points my goodness there was there was no winter <laughs> that was a winter without a winter i have a facebook friend who's posted he lives out in in the Maryland area. I don't know if I mentioned this on, uh, on the last show I did, but he lives out in the in the Maryland area. And apparently, they have not had much of a winter. The way the, the, the weather pattern has been working in their part of the uh, of the world, the, the snow has been just been going north of them, and they've been missing out on all of it. Uh, or, and, and it hasn't been very cold, and it's just been, they, they called it the winter without a winter. And I commented back to him, well, here in Minnesota, we're calling this the winter with no end. Which is, you know, not uncommon for our winters. Where it's just, okay, I've had it. I've, I'm done. I've had it with winter. It can, it can stop being winter now. I mean, it's start, winter starts like, I don't know, September 1st. And it goes through something like July 30th. I mean, it's just, it's horrible. You know, why do I live here? <laughs> Bragging rights. That's why. <clears throat> anyway, so that winter, the to the eleven twelve, sixteen points. But the most severe winter that they have on record goes back to 1916, 1917 with three hundred five SCI points. Holy shit! <laughs> that must have been as <laughs> good. God, that must have been horrible. Uh uh, I don't know how people survived. And so then the article uh, goes on to say, <clears throat> Note, this could be called the Winter Fun Index. Now, they don't mention the Winter Misery Index. They don't mention that at all. They, but they do mention the Winter Fun Index, depending on your perspective. Yeah. You know, F that. <laughs> Oh, sure. There are people out there who really enjoy winters with a lot of snow uh, because they're snow enthusiasts. They get out there on their snowmobiles or they go skiing, cross-country cross skiing, downhill skiing. Of course, the downhill skiing in this area isn't, you know, isn't like it is out in places with mountains, but we have some good hilly areas, and I guess people enjoy the downhill skiing there. Uh, and, and I don't know if there's a difference between man-made snow and actual, you know, nature-made snow. I, I, I'm sure there's some ski, uh, downhill ski enthusiasts that say, oh, no, you just got to have, you have to have the natural powder. You just get, that man-made stuff just isn't the same. And that might be true. I don't know. I don't ski. I did, uh, I did uh, some cross-country skiing when I was in junior high, and I hated it because out in the cold, and I didn't want to be there. <laughs> It was not my thing. Didn't like it. Didn't want to do it. But, oh my goodness. This winter. I will say one thing. The uh, the uh, the boss here at the at the comic book store. He has said that there's one thing about the, the snow at this time of year. Is it tends to, to go away quick. You have to get out there and shovel. But by, you know, like a shovel in the morning on uh, 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 yesterday. Was it yesterday? And by the time you get home, sidewalks are dry, cleared off, because it's 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 at that warm enough temperature. And if you get any sun, the sun's at a nice angle, and it can just kind of, I, I think it's called convection. I think that's what it's called. And as I understand it, it's like the, the sun has enough intensity 
has enough high of, high of an angle and it's out long enough that it can it, it essentially I guess gasifies the ice and the snow on the sidewalks if, if there's dark around it it'll 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 help even more and uh, it just just and it just dries things off it doesn't melt it so you get these puddles although that does happen uh, but in, in this, this case it's more of a it's like it, it's it I think it gasifies it or vaporizes it and it and it just kind of floats away it does you know and the sidewalk is dry so it's interesting no oh, excuse me and uh, yeah well hey hang on a second hmm do you do you smell that is that what is that is that is that hot dogs? Is it? Hmm. Wait a minute. Is that? Uh, do I smell? Do I smell popcorn? No. Well, yeah, maybe. Is that peanuts? Ugh, I don't like peanuts, but am I smell Cracker Jack? What is it? Oh, I know what I'm smelling. Baseball. Now I'm going to be quick about it. <laughs> I'm going to be quick about it in my talk here. Uh, baseball is coming. We are just over two weeks away. From the from the the season opening, and uh, which is March 30th, the Twins will play their first game. Uh, I forget where they're playing, but they're not playing at home. Uh, that doesn't happen for another week or so, or a few days anyway. And then they'll play here. So let's hope they get some games off uh, without having to, you know, because of cold and snow. Because you know we're in the winter that doesn't end. <laughs> uh, but oh man, am I looking forward to baseball? It's going to be a little different this year. They're going to have a clock. In the game, for the first time, baseball will have a clock in it. And, oh, sure, the games will take as long as they take. Three outs still make the inning. You know, you still that's still going to be the thing. But the pitchers will have a clock on them. They, they no more dicking around on the mound, wandering around, grabbing the resin bag, you know, scratching yourself for a couple of minutes, wandering around again. You know, they have to get a pitch off in a certain amount of time. I don't know what it is, 25 seconds or something like that. They have to get the pitch off. No more of this dicking around. And that that will help speed up the games a bit. Uh, there still is the, the problem of uh, hitters following off ball after ball after ball after ball after ball. That extends the length of the game. But if you've got a, you know, a, a hitter doing that and you got a pitcher that takes... A minute and a half between pitches, yeah, that's a fair amount of time. So speeding up the pitchers is going to make it interesting. We'll see how that works. Uh, but that's 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 this season. Uh, another thing different is, according, uh, a friend of mine was telling me that the that the, each team will play all of the teams in you know all the American League teams and all the National League teams in the season. They will play all of them. Uh, but uh, in, in, within their division, um, it's 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 it used to, I think it'd be like 19 games. I think it's down to 12 that they play against them. And within their division, uh, within their league, uh, they'll play home and away series. Uh, but otherwise, outside the league, I think it's just you know either there or here, you know whatever, home or away. I think that's how it's breaking down. But that's what they're doing. And interestingly enough. And I looked at the schedule. I thought, really? They're doing that? Um, normally, now, <clears throat> the hated Yankees, right? The hated Yankees have the Twins number. Maybe this is this. Maybe this will be the year. This will be the year that the Twins will win more games than they lose to the Yankees, right? Maybe this will be the year. If year in and year out for the last 20 years or whatever it's been, the Twins will play six or seven games against the hated Yankees, and the hated Yankees will win five or six of them. That's just that's the way it's been. Last year, they played seven games against them, the Twins did, and the, the, the Yankees won five of them. And this year, they got another seven games they're going to play against the Yankees. There's going to be four in, Yankee, in, in New York and then three here in Minnesota, and they all take place in April. The first month of the season, they all take place in April. Usually, it would be there'd be a, a, a series either here or in New York in April, and then another series either here or New York, whichever you know, whichever works out in August or September. 
That's what it, the usual way. But this time, this year, they're getting out the five or six losses to the hated Yankees right in the first month so they can get on with the rest of the season. <sighs> but maybe this will be the year. Maybe this will be the year that the my beloved Twins will finally win more games than they lose to the hated Yankees. But I don't know. I think the Yankees are going to be a juggernaut this season. I think they're, I mean, they've been building toward that, and I think that's, uh, it's going to happen. Okay, I'm up to my first break. I've got to do some nose blowing and, uh, you know, other maintenance <laughs> while I'm away on break. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Well, I'll be hornswoggled. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. You don't say. Oh, what? You think you went off to college or something? On ztalkradio.com. That's the most amazing thing since Grandma survived the outhouse incident. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. That was a noisy break. <laughs> Not so much coughing, but a little throat clearing and some blowing of my nose. Yeah. Whew. Still getting this stuff out of me. Okay. Um... I had not. I I thought about talking about this, but I in in my in my two weeks since I had done a show, and I even worked on it, and I didn't write it down in my show notes book. So I'm, but I'm going to tackle it anyway because I know it's something that I I was a little disappointed in. I know Dimland Radio sometimes seems like it's uh, you know Dim complains about everything. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. So. Let's hope I do this with a bit of humor or something. I don't know. Uh, I just recently finished watching uh, Star Trek Picard Season 2. Now, Season 3 is going on, but I'm that far behind. I'm so far behind in all this Star Trek stuff. Uh, so I, I thought, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch uh, uh, you know, Picard uh, Season 2. I'm going to get that out. So, okay. I don't know how much you know about Star Trek. I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that, you know, if you're not a Star Trek fan, if you don't follow it, this is, you know, a lot of this is going to be okay. But what are you going to do? Um, let's see. Star Trek Next Generation came out in 1987, and it was the it was the continuation of Gene Roddenberry's ideas of Star Trek. He was part of the show, you know, producer of the show. When it, when it came out, he eventually left. But uh, anyway, uh, which introduced us to this character named Captain Jean-Luc Picard, who's this Englishman who is from France. Um, well, he actually, I, th- I guess he's a Frenchman who was raised in England for quite a bit, so he got the English accent and all that. But uh, anyway, so he's Captain Picard. And he's, he's the greatest captain of any of the Star Trek captains. 
or at least he's my favorite. And he, um, uh, let's see. We in the Next Generation series, we this we learn of this very malevolent, dangerous. Uh, species out there called the Borg. And what the Borg do is they go into systems with, you know, where there are inhabitants and they assimilate them. They make them Borg. And they, they take their distinctiveness and add it to their own in this pursuit of perfection. Uh, that's, that's what they do. And at, at first, they are almost uh, unstoppable. They are, they, they are virtually invincible. And yet, somehow, uh, the the humans figure out a way to defeat the Borg's plans again and again. Now, the Borg all have this, what they call, a hive mind. They all think at the same time and all that, but they are directed by a queen. All right. <clears throat> so, uh, at, at, at the end of Season 3 of Star Trek Next Generation... The, the the season finale was uh, part it was, was called best of both worlds part one in that episode it was a great cliffhanger over to the next season in that episode Captain McCard is captured by the Borg he's Borgified and we are left to wonder over the, the, the over the summer till the next season comes out we're left to wonder if is Captain Picard coming back? There was rumors that uh, Patrick Stewart might leave the series. You know, we didn't know, right? And it was going to be taken over. It was number one, uh, William William Riker. That's the, the first officer, played by Jonathan Frakes. Was he going to take over as captain? What's going to happen? All right. Uh, well, Picard comes back. He gets deborgified. And you know, but while he was Borg. Uh, the Borg used his knowledge of Starfleet tactics and all that to to mete out a major defeat of uh, of, uh, of of Starfleet. That they, they tried to put up this gigantic, you know, they put this armada out there to to uh, to take on the Borg, and they got their asses kicked. And they got their asses kicked largely because of Picard's knowledge of Starfleet tactics. So there's that. That he's got, and there's that, and 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 he, he when he gets deborgified, he's got that kind of, he's got a little bit of that guilt in there. And so, uh, the next episode, the season, you know, season two of season, or not season two, episode two of season four. Uh, once you know, Picard's back to being Picard. They've they've deborgified him and all that. But he takes a, a bit of a leave of absence, and he goes back to Earth, and he goes back to home, to his home in, in, in France, which uh, his family uh, runs a vineyard. They live on a vineyard, and they, they run this vineyard. And he goes back to back there where his older brother lives, and his older brother has a wife and a son. The son is about, I don't know, 14, 13, whatever. Um, he's, you know, well, he's fairly young. Uh, maybe younger than that. Anyway, <clears throat> and so he goes back, and there's a there's a little subplot in there that Picard has offered this uh, gig that's a lot safer, but interesting. You know, Picard would find it interesting work, but it wouldn't be the same as being the captain of the Starship Enterprise. It wouldn't be the same thing. And when we get back there, we <clears throat> we're told that. Picard and his brother Robert, or in French Robert, <laughs> uh, that they and it's Robert. Uh, they they have had a a tension filled uh, relationship since they were kids. There's all, there's been a bit of competition. Uh, Robert is the older brother. He's there's been a bit of uh, you know condescension from him and belittling and demeaning, domineering of over, over Jean Luc. And you know that's been their their relationship, and so, but for whatever reason, Picard goes back there, and uh, I think this I think the episode is telling us at some point in there we realize that Picard knew he needed that, or something. But so he goes back, and his brother is not very good to him, just kind of constantly needling him, constantly pushing, constantly getting after him a little bit, until finally. The two of them get into an actual round of fisticuffs. They start fighting each other out in the in the muddy vineyards, 
and they're all covered in mud when they finally, you know, they, they stop fighting and they start laughing and realizing things. And what the older brother was doing with Jean-Luc was showing him he's not perfect and he should stop expecting himself to be perfect. You're not perfect. You know, is it, you know I, I, I don't know if he sells those words, but it's all in there. You know, you, you, you should you allow yourself to be human. You just went through some, you know, a horrific experience. You know, you were manipulated. You were forced to do things that you, you no way would you have done. And it's and and you're you're feeling this guilt and all and and you've been always pushing yourself to be the perfect person. So, you know, there's a lesson in there somewhere. So, like I was saying, when Picard went back. There's a you know, he he. Why did he go back to be treated so poorly by his older brother? Which there was this relationship that was like that. And again, it, it just kind of it dawns on me. It's, it's like well, that's Picard may have been <clears throat> subconsciously needing that, realizing he needed that, and and he got it right. So so at least it was the it was the it was the series taking itself seriously enough and realizing that even though the Star Trek episodes the next generation episodes were pretty much bottle episodes that there was some they're not continuity like they are now where it's a running story through 10 episodes it's it's more of a, they do refer back to the past they don't forget that there were characters on their show that aren't there anymore except for Dr. Pulaski she's never mentioned again after season 2 she was only there for season 2 there was a, a dispute between the actor Gates McFadden, who played Dr. Crusher in the first season. There was some dispute between her and the producers, and so she left the show. So they brought in Diana Muldoor to play Dr. Pulaski, and <clears throat> the fans never really warmed up to her. But I think if she'd have stayed in the series, if, if, if Gates McFadden never came back, and, and we had Dr. Pulaski through the whole series, I think the fans would have warmed up to her at some point because they they brought her in to be somewhat caustic, especially towards Data, one of those characters, uh, the, the android character. But over the series, over the season, her her character arc changed a little bit. So I have a feeling that, you know, had she stuck around, it, there would have been... Uh, they, the fans might have warmed up to her at some point. But she was just there for the one season, and they never mention her again. Well, maybe they do, and I've forgotten, but, um, so it's, it, whatever. But for the most part, they were somewhat cognizant of their history. You know, they remembered that a character on there named Tasha Yar, she was played by Denise Crosby, and she was the head of security. She was killed in the first season, uh, late into the first season she was killed. Again, she had some, some disputes with, with the producers or whatever, she wanted off the show. Um, and <clears throat> I think that's what it was. Um, and, you know, so they, you know, she died, but she's referred to, she's remembered, not constantly, but there's, there are moments throughout the series where, you yeah, know, she comes up and, and, and so they don't, they don't just forget things, you know, like Happy Days forgot that they had an older brother after the second season. They forgot Chuck completely. Chuck went away, was written off the show, didn't even, didn't even, didn't give him a send off. Like he's gone off to college. He was just gone. And it was, you know, and that old TV is just bottle episodes. And the one episode doesn't affect the other. My three sons had the oldest brother, Mike. He was written off the show by getting married. He got married and he left and it was all that and it was great. And, and then Ernie comes in, gets adopted, and Mike is never mentioned again. Mike's brother, Rob, gets married. Doesn't show up. His dad gets remarried. Doesn't show up. Just there's nothing. There's no. There's like what Mike who, nobody cares. But in television today, uh, the series Star Trek Picard, that is a running story through the you know the whole season has to deal with a mission, right? And uh, and so that's what we got in season two. Okay, <clears throat> now there's gonna be some spoilers of season two. Sorry, but there's gonna be if you don't want it spoiled if you haven't watched it. You know, skip ahead a bit. This is, you know, season two has Picard. Now, he's old. You know, the actor's like in his 80s or something. And Picard is old. And he's, he's, uh, it's the Borg again. And they, they request that, that Jean-Luc come to him. They remember his name, that they named him Locutus. That was the name he got when he was Borged. 
and you know, the series remembers that he was he was Borg, and even and there's um, there's some flashbacks that go on in there, and there's some dream sequences or something where we start hearing dialogue from the Next Generation series uh, played in there, and there's these moments where somebody's touching into his mind or something, and they're hearing Picard saying things like "There are four lights," you know, which is. To Star Trek fans, Next Generation fans, that is an important line. That refers to an episode... I mean, the, 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 the bit of dialogue was pulled right from the episode that dealt with... I think it's called... Uh, it's a two-part episode called Chain of Command, I think it was called, um, in which Picard is captured by the Cardassians, and he's tortured. And there's the guy that's torturing him, played brilliantly by David Warner. The guy that's torturing him is trying to break Picard down into saying there are five lights when there are four lights uh, in this room that they're in. And that moment where he says, there are four lights, was, was when he's just about to be released. And this, the torturer is trying to say, come on, you know there's, just, there's five lights. How can you be so wrong? Just admit there's five lights. You know, and, and, and Picard doesn't. But the thing is, he, 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 he admits to the, counselor, the ship's counselor that he almost could see five lights. Uh, you know, because it's just he'd been so messed with. So okay, so that's an important line. It's it's calling back to something that was there in the series. The fans know it. The fans are going to recognize that. All right. So in, in in Picard season two, there's lots of there's there's flashing. Well, they go back into the past. They go to the year 2024 when Donald Trump becomes president again and everything goes to shit. Um, uh, no, they don't. They don't have that in there. <laughs> they don't even mention it. But they go back to the year 2024. But we also have flashbacks to Picard's youth when he was, I don't know, eight or ten or something like that, and his relationship with his mother. You know, and his mother was a very inspiring woman to him. So, you know, look to the stars and all this kind of stuff. And there's a, his father works in there a little bit. And there's there's a there's a there's a tragedy that happens with the mother. And, and and you know, and it's and it's stuff that 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 John Luke didn't think about. He kept hidden from himself. He wouldn't deal with it and all that. And so the 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 story of this the sec, this this second season was kind of having him come to terms with that. Uh, that was part of what was going on. And as I watched season two of Star Trek Picard, and this part of it was it was there the, the 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 flashing back to his youth with his mother and later with his youth in his youth with his mother and his father i kept thinking one thing where's robert he's got a brother why isn't his brother even mentioned there's nothing there's the you know to somebody who's never watched star trek next generation watches star you know picard season 2 they're going to have no idea that Robert existed. Now, I suppose it's not all that important. Maybe. But the series remembered he, he was a Borg. You know, the people that made that, they, that made the new series, they remembered he was Borg. They remembered that he'd been tortured by that one Cardassian character. They remembered things about him in his past and all that, that, that was established in the, in the, uh, uh, in the series, in the, in the original, you know, the Next Generation series. They remembered all that stuff. But for some reason, they just didn't want to deal with the fact that he had an older brother. I, I, I found it... I, I kept waiting. I kept waiting for there be a, to be some sort of reference to his older brother. A picture on a mantelpiece. Something. And then it gets toward the end of the series. And there's a mention... Okay, when, when Picard goes back in time to 2024, he has an ancestor... That's part of the space program. They're going to do this mission to Europa, which I think is a, one of the moons of Jupiter. I think it's Jupiter. It might be Saturn, but I think it's Jupiter. Um, they're, you know, they're going to go on this mission, and part of the story is that, uh, you know, they have she's having a, a a crisis of 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 confidence. She doesn't think she can do it, or she should do it, and they're, you know, Picard. Is under the impression they're thinking this is part of the reason why we have to come back. We have to make sure she does this because if she doesn't do this, our future changes. 
See, that's, that's why they went back to the past, because the future got all messed up. It has, deals with Q, which I'm not going to go into, and all this stuff. But the future gets all weirded out. So they need to go back and prevent Donald Trump from being president. No, no, no. It doesn't come into it. Um, you know, and make sure that this, this relative of his, great, 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 great aunt or grandmother or something, named Renee Picard, makes this mission. Now, those of you who know the Next Generation series and know that Brothers episode know the name of Picard's nephew, Rene. Right? And this, the other thing is about this, about Robert and, you know, his, that family, the wife and, 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 the, and the nephew, you know, that comes into play in the first of the movies of uh, uh, the Next Generation cast. And that, that movie's called the Star Trek Generations. Early in that film, Picard learns that his brother, the brothers, you know, his sister-in-law and his nephew are killed in a fire. And it, it's, a ma- it's, it's a major emotional motiva- motivator for Picard in the, in, for the rest of the film. It, it it's, it's underlies everything else that happens. It's this tragedy you know, that, that he's the last of the Picards. He's not, he's not a family guy. He doesn't, you know, he's, he's just, it, and, and then there's other things that, that tie into it. So this is important. So why, again, why is Robert not even mentioned, in, not even referred to? And then, okay, there's a Rene. The, the, and, and, then, and then in that last episode, there's, there's, there. It said that there are two Renes, one that lives and the other that dies, and I thought, are they? Oh, is that the connection? Are they finally going to acknowledge that Picard had a brother and a sister-in-law and a nephew? Are they finally going to do it? Finally going to do it? Nope, it's something else. I, I found it disappointing. I thought, couldn't they have? Couldn't the, they have found a way? Just through some dialogue, to let us, you know, like, like Picard's talking to another character and uh, about when he, when he's, you know, I think when he opens up about seeing the stuff with his mother, can at some point he says, you know, my brother, my older brother Robert was away at co- at school, and part of the tension between the two of us came from this this tragedy with their mother. You know, the fact that he wasn't there to stop it, and I was there and I didn't stop it. And then I had this relationship with my mother that he never had, and he was jealous, and that, that added to the tension between the two of us and then you know, we've, you know, we've lived with. Now, I guess it maybe that's extraneous and isn't needed, and maybe I'm not, you know, I don't write movies. I don't write TV shows. There may be an argument as to why they wouldn't put all that in there, maybe. But I don't know, man. I just... The show was so good at at least remembering its past, in in that characters had died that were part of the show, mentioned in there, mentioned certain things that had happened in the past. They're mentioned again, but not a single mention of Robert. Well, uh, I've managed to uh, go off on that tangent. <laughs> that was only sort of planned, but not completely planned. Uh, at least for this show. Uh, I think I need to go for a break. Uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. I'll be back after this break. You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, 
apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the happy birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. But we give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. I was feeling the way the atmosphere Those are no one Looking overjoyed I'm here Dawn is about 14 or the wine And Chardonnay shows what she knows when she and welcome back to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Kind of wish I could have done that uh, bumper a little longer so that you know, the song eventually gets kind of kicking. <laughs> you know, but you know, that's the opening bit of it. It's Chardonnay, that's the name of the song, by the band Game Theory. Uh, you know, I should, should have gone, made it like a 30-second bumper because uh, I think by that point the song would kind of kick in a little. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to see. Where was I? Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, I think I, I think I can get it all in. I think I can do it, uh, which means I have to do uh, this little thing here. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. <laughs> well, we shall see. This has to do with uh, Star Wars, the Empire Strikes Back uh, film, uh, which is considered to be the best of all the Star Trek movies. I don't know. Rogue One's pretty good. And I really like uh, uh, Star Trek The Last Jedi. I really like that one. I think I think history's going to like it too. I think fans are going to start changing their minds about it because you know. But the you know, but there are no worse fans of any franchise than Star Wars fans. No one hate Star Wars more than a Star Wars fan. They are the worst. Fans of the James Bond franchise, not nearly as bad. Fans of Star Trek, not nearly as bad. Fans of any other long-running kind of thing, not nearly as bad. Fans of Star Wars, oh my goodness. <laughs> they act like you know, when something doesn't go the way they their fan fiction had it going, they act like George Lucas came over and just punched him in the balls or something. It's like, come on. They're popcorn movies. Don't expect... just They're popcorn movies. Just enjoy them. Which I know I need to tell myself about the prequels because I felt the prequels were a little off. They just were off. But anyway, let's not get into all that again. In The Empire Strikes Back, you will recall that Luke goes to the planet Dagobah. Or Dagobah, depending on who's saying it. You will go to the Dagobah system. Dagobah system? No, Luke, I said Dagobah. Oh, Dagobah. Anyway. So <laughs> so he gets there, and he starts training with Master Yoda, the, you know, Yoda. You know, Yoda. And there's a, there's a line in there, in that training, that I always, I thought, now, now maybe I'm... I'm being more semantic here than pedantic, but maybe it's a combination of two. Maybe I'm being, I'm building something, you know, it's like, whatever, you know, what did you just say, Dim, about, you know, just the popcorn movies, just enjoy them. I know, but I think the line is attempting to be profound, but it's, it's just, it's not accurate. I, I think, hear me out. So Luke is training on his, using the force. And he's doing things like balancing on one hand and lifting uh, stones that might weigh, I don't know, 20 pounds, and using force, you know, his telekinetic powers of the force. You know, not actually going over and lifting the stone, he's doing it with his mind, right? And, and all that. So it gets to a point where, uh, you know, you'll recall that uh, Luke's X-Wing fighter had crashed into the swamp. And it was gonna sit there, and all of a sudden, it starts sinking even more. It's like, oh Jesus, we're never gonna get that son of a bitch out now. And uh, and 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 Yoda's, you know, Yoda's again suggests that he, that Luke used the Force to 
lift the X-Wing fighter out of the water and get it onto dry land. And and Luke says, lifting stones is one thing, but this is completely different. And Yoda says, no, no different. Only different in your mind. That kind of thing. And which right there, that's not bad. Not that bad. But I do have something I want to swing around to when I when I get to it. Um, so <laughs> he's it's so he wants Luke to use the force, get that thing out of there. So Luke says, "All right, I'll try. No, try not. Do or do not. There is no try." He says, and that's the line. I th- Wait a minute. Yeah. There. Do or do not. There is no try. Hmm. Hmm. If Luke goes straight to do not, you know, if he if he hears Yoda say that to him, and then Luke says, well, "All right, fuck it," and then <laughs> walks away, then fine. He went right to do not. But he he goes he goes to do. He attempts to do. Oh, attempt by the way is another word for try. Uh, he, 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 so he goes to do, right? He puts his hand out there. He's closes his eyes. He's, he's summoning the force power and the, the, the ship starts to come out of the water, the starship, uh, the, well, the, the fighter starts to come out of the water, but it's just too much and it sinks back down, right? So he went to do, ended up at do not. And and then he you know he walks away dejected and he, he says says to Yoda what you want is impossible, and then goes over to somewhere to sulk, and then Yoda does a little groan, and then puts his hand out you know you know puts the paw out there and twists his ears and closes his eyes and then you know the music starts to swell and up comes the fighter floats up in the air now Luke gets up and he's standing and he's watching this he's gobsmacked at this whole thing and you know and this fighter comes over and it lands on the ground and and Luke just looks around it he's like it's just he's, he's incredulous that this happened and he goes over to Yoda and says I I don't believe it and then Yoda says the line that actually is profound that actually is the lesson and he says he says that is why you fail because he, he doesn't believe. He doesn't believe it can be done, and so that, that's a roadblock that stops him from being able to do. But I would say that he... What, it, what would be the word that you would use that Luke... You know, what, what, what he did as he was, as he was uh, uh, attempting, which is another word for try, to lift up the uh, X-Wing fighter out of the swamp... Yeah, he wouldn't you say that he he tried? Well, I tried. You said there was no try. Well, I tried and I couldn't do it. Huh? I don't tell me there's no try because I just tried. And by the way, Yoda says there's no difference, only in your mind, right? He says there's no difference between the X-wing fighter and the stone. That, that Luke has no problem with lifting with the force. No difference. Only in his mind. Okay. Well, you know, what we see on screen would seem to contradict that. Because when Yoda does the, the thing, and he lands it on the ground, what does he do? He's, he's, he, he lets out a little... <laughs> you know, like, that was hard. <laughs> he's, he's tired out. He's, ugh, you know, would he be tired out if he was lifting that stone using the force? Force lifting the stone? Would he, would he have been tired out? It's, you know, I know some might say, oh, no, he's not tired out. He's just, uh, he's acting, he's showing his disappointment in Luke, and that's, that's his little groan. That's what that is. Okay. But then I would say, if there's no difference, it's only in your mind, then a Jedi could move a planet off its orbit? Could it, could they do that? Could they you know the Death Star is is closing in on the Rebel base and you couldn't have you know Luke go up there and use the well I guess he didn't have the force power at that point but you uh, in in Return of the Jedi he couldn't force power it uh, you know to to move away it's no difference it's no difference there's no difference between the stone and the X wing it's only in your mind it would seem to me there's got to be a limit to the force 
There's a limit somewhere. Isn't there? I don't know. Maybe I'm being too much. But I got, I'm got. i telling you, he tried. There was try. There's, don't give me this no try. There was try. He did try to do it. He couldn't do it. But he still tried. <clears throat> so, <laughs> is, am I... Am I Am I off there a little bit? Fox News is lying to its viewers. <laughs> I know that's that's going to come as a as a big shock to uh, my listeners. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sorry, my listener. It's going to come as a big shock to them. But the uh, the news has been coming out lately that uh, that Fox News, the entertainers in the evening, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, have been lying to their viewers. Uh, we've been finding out through this uh, Dominion voting system lawsuit against Fox News for, in the tune of $1.6 billion. You know, I don't know if it's a jury trial. Uh, I don't know what's going on. But I would hope that uh, when the jury finds uh, for the uh, plaintiff, the uh, vo- uh, Dominion, that they can ask the judge, are we limited to $1.6 billion? Can we make it a hundred billion dollars? <laughs> Cause I'd I'd like to see that happen. I'd like to see them just completely wipe out Fox News. But you know, some stupid ass thing will take its place. And we've been finding out that um, that you know the texts between the hosts and, and their staff and other hosts and even their boss, uh, you know, their boss has testified that yeah, they they, they none of them believed that the election was stolen. None of them believed it, and they and and we were finding out that they thought Rudy Giuliani, Giuliani was nuts, and that that Sidney Powell was nuts, and all that, and that uh, and that Tucker Carlson was saying that uh, that Donald Trump is a destroyer. He's demonic. You know, he hates him with a passion. Hey, that's something Tucker Carlson and I have in common. Except I'm not going to lie to my listener. He lies to his viewers because he got on every night, pumping the the stolen election. Pumping all that shit, and and it's now we're seeing this. Yep, I don't know. It's probably not going to affect the the Fox News viewers at all because they're not watching any other news. They're not getting that. And Fox isn't telling them that. Oh, man, guess what? <laughs> our 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 entertainment hosts have uh, have all been lying to you. That's they're not going to tell them that. Um. And and then and then and then good old Tuck. He he got forty thousand plus hours of video footage from the security cameras and that uh, at the at the Capitol um, from uh, January six. You know, uh, Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy thought, well, let's see, who do I give this to? Uh, who has a real, true, deep uh, journalistic integrity? Who out there? Hmm. Who can I get? Oh, Tucker Carlson. Yeah, I'll give it to him. So what Tucker Carlson did was he cherry. We knew. We knew. Once we found out he was going to get this footage, we knew he's going to cherry pick it and say, "Oh, look, there was nothing happened that day. They were meek. They were peaceful. Oh, a few of them got out of hand, but we're not going to show you any of that." What I would like to see. There are politicians, there are senators and, and representatives that are calling on on McCarthy to release this all that same stuff that he gave to Tucker, give it to all the other news outlets. And let's have them look through it. And what I would like to see happen is timestamps matched up. So when those two fellows were in the hallway looking through brochures on the on the counter, uh, that while they were doing that, then they flip to the t- same time signature outside and you see some cop getting beaten with a flagpole. You know, I don't know if that was happening at the same time, but I know there was shit going on out there. I mean, Tucker Carlson would watch the 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 HBO series Band of Brothers and the episode that deals with D-Day, and he'd be watching the the uh, uh, Easy Company at their at their uh, um, at their um, meetup point. You know, because they got they got dropped in. Uh, the night before the main invasion, they got dropped behind enemy lines. They were they were supposed to take certain sites in order to make the beach invasion uh, uh, make it uh, easier or make it happen better, so everything can hook up and happen and you know be successful. Uh, but there was a point at which the guys are just kind of they're they're in their gathering place. They're they're getting their companies together. They're getting finding out you know who do they have who you know what staff do we have what do we got who's going to be in charge and all this kind of stuff. They're getting all that figured out and they're making plans on to take certain objectives and all that. 
and it's quiet. They're not being shot at. They're not shooting at anybody. Nothing's going on as far as that. You know, they're in the battle, but they're in a part of which there's nothing happening at that spot because it's all happening on the beaches. And at some point, you hear some explosion or something from the distance, and and you know, one character mentions to the other that yeah, whatever the delay or something must have something to do with that. They're just referring to the beach invasion is happening right now. So. Tucker would look at those guys sitting around saying, see, D-Day was nothing. They just kind of milled about. Ugh. And his audience was just lapping it up. Nom, 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 nom. Yeah, see, there was nothing. There was nothing. They should release all the prisoners. That's what asshole 45 said. And, and, is, and an example of an exact lie to his viewers from that. An, an, an absolute lie. Don't believe your lying eyes, he was telling them, without saying it. He shows, he did, to, to his credit, he showed that uh, the, the breach moment, where the one dude comes in through the broken window, the first guy in, that guy should be in the prison longest, but anyway, first guy in, right? And then they see the, 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 the windows on the other side, of there's a door in between in this, this lobby area. On the other side of the doors, the busted-out windows and people starting to crawl through there, and then they, we show they show a shot of a couple of fellas kicking open the door and opening it up for the crowds to start pouring in through the door, and as that crowd starts pouring in through the door, all right, you picturing all that. Well, Tucker, it talks about the QAnon shaman, this Chansley or whatever his name is, the guy that was dressed up like a water buffalo with the the painted face, you know, the werewolf guy. And, he, and when we saw him, he's just all he's doing is carrying the flag and howling. You know, he's, he's doing all this stupid stuff. But I guess he's the less threatening type guy. Then, you know, I, as I look back on it, he, seemed, he seems uh, much more tame than the guy that was really scary to me. And that's the guy that was sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk, took the picture, took some of her mail. He took a picture of him with his leg up on her desk. He's like, here I am. And then he's, and then he's he, I guess he had a cattle prod of some kind. That's the guy that's more scary about the violence. That guy, I think, I think the QAnon shaman would have, you know, is it's like more of like a gentle giant type that's just, you know, screwed in his head. Nevertheless, he shouldn't have been there. And yes, he should be in prison because he, you know, he broke the law. All right. So Tucker says, he shows this footage of him being escorted around the Capitol, which is the cops are keeping an eye on him making sure that this guy doesn't get too out of hand because he seems kind of nuts, but they don't want to quite engage him because it might not make the most sense to engage, to try to arrest him, especially when you got a bunch, you know, you got hundreds of people pouring into the Capitol, and if they see that, how's that going to go? How's that going to how's that going to go down? So they, they had to, they're trying to figure out how do we deal with this guy. So they just kept him in, uh, you know, kept aside him. That makes much more sense to me than Tucker saying they were giving him a tour or suggesting. They're saying it looks like they're giving him a tour. They're not giving him a tour. Anyway, the lie, the, the you know, the, all the rest of that was a lie. But the one that's so blatant lie, where he even shows his audience that he's lying to them, he says, it's unclear how the QAnon shaman got into the Capitol. It's unclear. Remember I said they show, he at least showed the footage of the people busting in through the windows and the two dudes kicking open the door and the crowd coming in? Well, guess who was right at the front of that crowd? The QAnon shaman. Oh, he wasn't right at the front, but he was right in there with the first few people coming in. And then they show him milling about and start, you know, off. He Tucker's telling you, well, it's, it's unclear how he got into the Capitol. What are you talking, what are you talking about? You see, you have it right there. You have it right there. You showed it to your audience and you lied to them. And they just sat there saying, yes, it's unclear how he got in there. I'm sure. Yes, I, I, yeah, I know. I see him right there going in with all the rest of those people, but I wonder how he got in there. So, <clears throat> what do I got here? Uh, I've gone way over, but I'm going to finish this up with this. Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, was uh, was shouted at in public. She was uh, uh, she was out to dinner. She's at some restaurant with uh, I don't know somebody she was having an affair with. Maybe I don't know. She's had affairs. Party of family values. Anyway, so she's out to dinner with someone, and uh, I think a, a mother and son. Um, started haranguing her, 
and she whined about it. You know, there needs to be safe bases for the Republicans because, you know, we're getting accosted. And I thought, oh, man, you know, you know, I, I bet you, I, I bet you that that must have felt like, I don't know, being a 16, 17 year old uh, high school student. Uh, making his way to the Capitol to testify before Congress about, uh, you know, being a survivor of the Parkland uh, mass shooting that took place in Florida not too long ago. And he had this crazy QAnon woman haranguing him, uh, harassing him the whole way, uh, su suggesting he was part of the anti-gun lobby and he was a pawn and it was a false flag and all that shit. I'm that, I wonder if it felt anything like that, Margie. I'm sorry, crazy Aunt Margie. Did that feel anything like that? Jeez, I wonder who that woman was. Oh, that's right. That was you. Or, or how about uh, how about that time? Oh, let's see. I wonder if it was anything like the uh, how the how the uh, the staff of uh, uh, of Congresswoman uh, um, Ocasio uh, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, uh, how her staff felt as there was this crazy woman uh, yelling in through the the mail slot about uh, AOC needed to come out and 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 debate her and uh, needed to put on her big girl pants and needed to you know uh, face up to her detractors and stop being scared and hiding behind doors. I wonder if that, if that felt anything like I said, oh, who was that woman? Oh, right, that was you, wasn't it, crazy Aunt Margie? That was you doing that. Huh, interesting. Uh, <clears throat> sounds like, uh, sounds like uh, you need to get your big girl pants on there, Margie. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, I got it all in. Uh, went a little over, but what are you going to do? I didn't do a show last week, so, you know, I'll give you a little extra. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Be skeptical and all that sort of stuff, and uh, and be good to each other, at least try. And uh, remember, uh, this is your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Simmons, reminding you to sleep, off, uh, sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for, for tuning us in. Bonjour, Monsieur Dim. You are too clever for us naughty people. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Well, well I'm going, going to hell. hell.